Sometimes, when it is something potentially life-threatening, we lie awake and worry about what the medical results will be. And then often we start to wonder, why? Has that unhealthy lifestyle finally caught up with us? Was it the drugs we took 20 years ago? Was it the extra weight we have been carrying for the last few years? Is God punishing us for that secret sin that no one else knows about? All right, before we get into, into before we get into Mark chapter two, I was thinking, I'm the kind of person like when I, I get sick, I want to be left alone, you know? Because really what I try to do when I'm sick, I try to do the thing, I don't try to like, add stuff to, for lack of a better term, I'm trying not to add stuff to my sickness. You know, if I have a cold, I have a cold. I'm not trying to give myself pneumonia or the flu or anything else. You know, I, I try to do what it's trying to get us to see here, that if we really get some physical rest, our immune system will heal. It was pointed out, Pastor pointed this out last year when this thing first hit. People were getting healthy because they were social distanced and they shut everything down. You couldn't go to the movie theaters. You couldn't go to any kind of amusement parks. People was actually getting some restful ones. Then like he said, even the whole creation, because we wasn't driving everywhere. The air started clearing up. The water started clearing up. Everything started clearing up because we ceased. But here all of a sudden now, because we get a shot, and when you listen to what they tell you about the shot, too many people think just because they got the shot, they don't have to wear a mask and everything. That's how they, that's why the thing keeps replicating. The mask ain't for you, it's for your neighbor. But here we don't have no brotherly love like we were talking about in, in, in the lesson last week about brotherly love towards one another. And you can't wear a mask for brotherly love. When you have this, if you know you're positive, why don't you go cease and do it? There's people out there that know their power. I hate to tell you this, but there are evil people in this world. And if you think back, this happened during the AIDS epidemic. There were people that knew that they was infected and went out there and was purposely infecting other people. Because that's what the lesson's trying to get at. Man, there's still evilness here. Now, what are you going to do to protect yourself? So, we see, and it, it says, all of us had that thing. Is it when something happens, do we start thinking about what we did? Now, there are times, like I said, in my case, with my physical healing for my arthritis, because of the anger issues, you know, in my subconscious, was causing me these symptoms, and that's something. You have to look in the mirror sometimes. It might be something that you did 20 years ago that might be affecting you now. Then it's, I mean, there's things that, Drugs that we use, alcohol that we use, the lifestyle we live. Some of it could be, you know, generic. I mean, in your genes and stuff. You know, there are some heart diseases that, you know, carry over into the next generation and stuff. So we have to sometimes sit there and do what it says, look in the mirror. Now let's look at this, uh, Mark chapter 2. One. Many were gathered together, in so much 
preached the word unto them. And they came unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was. And when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein lay the sick of the palsy. When Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. And the question is, what happened here? Well, they heard that Jesus was in town. They heard about, and this is early. In Mark chapter 2, we're early in his ministry. But they still knew there's something about this man. He ain't like all these others that come always tell us what we're doing wrong, wanting to condemn us, keeping laws that they don't even keep. And they knew that he could heal. Now, the other thing is, the, the King James, the pastor was, was, you know, the word here is really paraplegic. He was paraplegic. He couldn't walk, he couldn't do nothing for himself. He relied on everybody else to do something for him. Now, evidently, from looking at the story and reading what's on the page, he wasn't born like that. Because he said, your sins are forgiven. So it was something that this man did in his life, and getting the man to see that his sins was forgiven, he was healed. How many of that is up? That's my story, really, with that anger issue. I'm like that paraplegic. It was something that I did as a child now. I, I came up with these thoughts as a child because in, in my teenage years, my, my young adult years, I never had these feelings towards my mom. But something that I did as a child was causing me to have arthritis in my spine. The same thing, because that's why I said he makes it just I had Pastor read that because Jesus saw their faith. Now look, he saw the faith of the men that brought him to them. So like Pastor was saying in his prayer, you got to reach out to us and tell us that you need us to pray for you. Sometimes it could be a family member too. Hey man, I know, see, we don't know everything everybody's going through. We all got lives of our own, problems and challenges of our own. Sometimes it just has to be brought to our, you know, Hey, I'm really dealing with something. I need some help. Okay, we can pray for you. That's what these men need. They picked the dude up. Now, how many of us would do that today? Somebody calls you and needs to ride to church. Oh, man, I already got a call. You know, I always thank God for Pastor early on when he used to come pick me up before I had a car and took me to Beaumont. But you know what I did every Friday night? <laughs> I'd call the pastor and ask if he was coming to pick me up. I made sure I had a ride because it was important once I got there, especially after I got the healing, which I think I had a car by then. But man, sometimes you have to open your mouth. And these friends brought him, and he said, Now, he saw their faith, and he said to the paraplegic, Son, your sins are forgiven. It's just that simple sometimes. We have to forgive some sins. Go ahead, keep reading. For the paralytic in this, in this story, it was an obvious case. In the desire of ages, we get the background. The paralytic had done something or some things that he was not very proud of. 
His sinful life caused this sickness. And the spiritual experts drew a straight line from cause to effect. He had brought this disease upon himself by his sins, and there was no cure. This attitude can be very typical. We often seem to be obsessed with, with who did it. If some crime has been committed, someone must pay for it. If there's an accident somewhere, someone should be sued. But assigning blame does not bring healing or wholeness to one who is sick. God's original design did not include pain, disease, or suffering. Sickness came to this planet only with the entrance of sin. That's why God gives us health guidelines, so that we can enjoy a better quality of life now. But as long as we're in this sin-sick world, there will be no guarantees of health. No matter how diligent we follow healthful principles. The good news is that God can give us rest, whether we are sick or healthy, whether our sickness is our own doing or a result of someone else's neglect. Our genes are just a byproduct of living in this sinful world. God knows how to give us rest. Religious leaders at that time would have did what these paragraphs was talking about. It said he brought the disease upon himself. Now since you brought this disease upon yourself, there's no cure for it. Well, ain't that a lot? But that's what was being taught at this time. There's sometimes now where this same thing keeps getting carried on. Because now a child molester can't be forgiven of his sin. Yeah. A murderer can't be forgiven of his sin. Yeah. Well, you know what? That murderer could be forgiven of his sins if he has Jesus into his heart. But you out there, you know, how many times do we see when somebody lost a loved one and they can say, no, no, I want death for him? Mm-hmm. Now, ain't you calling death into your life? Because the receipt, once we start putting all these principles in line, you reap what you sow. Mm-hmm. That's why, you know, we're more amazed when somebody shows compassion than we are when somebody shows anger and hatred towards someone. That should tell you something right there. Mm -hmm. And and sometimes, I mean, sometimes you do. Because I caught myself the other day when they had the woman that killed, you know, smothered her son. They're showing a picture of the little boy and stuff, and you see the woman come out. And this happened right here at home. You know, my first thing was, man, you know how can you do, man? She has to be punished. And that's true, because it does, I mean, there are, everybody reaps what they, that person will reap what they sow, but that's not your job to judge that person. And that's why we have a lot of sickness and disease, and because we're causing death into our life by how we feel towards other people. That's why lessons like this are so important, because really, truly, if you notice, Almost every week that we've been coming up here, the underlying thing, and pastors even preached a couple of sermons on it, is about us forgiving people. We taught it time and time again, forgiveness is not for that person. They're going to reap what they sow when God sees time to do. If it's on this earth or when it's the judgment to come. 
But here we want to play God all of a sudden and put the judgment on the person. Then we run around here sick, tired, wore down because of hatred and evilness in our heart. And that's what caught my It's almost like every week, we, somewhere along the lines, the lesson is saying something about forgiveness. See, God gives us health guidelines. Now, once again, we don't want to follow them. That's Old Testament. Now, one thing that we've learned is we need to stay in the middle of the road to teach moderation. That's where, see now, because now we even get to the point where some religious people teach that you can't touch a pig at all, you can't eat no bacon, you can't eat, you know, a little this, a little that, you can't eat no boudin, you can't eat no shrimp. Then you have the ones over here that you can eat all you want, there's no repercussions. Okay, but it's been proven that the iodine and everything in, in the stuff is bad for your health. Well, what happens if you split the difference and stay in the middle of the road? Now you don't crave so much that you got to eat this stuff every day. You just do it every once in a while. That's a healthy lifestyle change. That's why diets and stuff, when you say a diet in your mind, once you ever reach your goal, you stop. But it's about a healthy. I know I got to start eating more fruit. Vegetables, I'm good. I do need to start eating more fruit. So, think of these health styles. But now, even if you do all of this, if you listen to what the lesson said, okay, God gives us health guidelines so that we can enjoy a better quality of life. But there's no guarantees. No matter how diligently we follow the healthy principle. Now, I like what this lesson called healthy principles. There's health principles all throughout the Bible. And one of them is what we've been talking about for almost this whole quarter is rest. How many of us take that opportunity to rest? There's some, there's some times like meditation and stuff. If you really meditate, there's times I do it because I just stop thinking about everything that's going on around it. Stop trying to solve every problem 24 hours a day, seven days a week. One, there's too many problems. And two, you ain't gonna come up with a little solution for over a third of them. Hmm. And you might be able to figure out a third. Them other two thirds are gonna keep your mind. That's why when I go to bed at night, I try not to think about anything. I try to, I almost play like I'm a movie star and I'm making a movie that I wanna make. Mm -hmm. I, I, I thought I was crazy for doing this, but you know what I found out? When I wake up in the morning, I don't remember too many dreams and stuff. I play like I'm a general in the army and I'm over. I, I play these games in my mind when I go to sleep. Why? Because then when I, I sleep, and I'm telling you, I, very few times I remember what I dreamed about. And you know you dream because once you get to that third stage, you know when you get to your stage of uh, sleep, and they teach you about that. See, that's what they're trying to get. We got to get to that stage of sleep to where you really truly rest. That your mind. You're not thinking about work. You're not thinking about what you have to do the next day. The only way you can do that is watch how you go to sleep. Come on. But here we are. We go to bed with all this stuff. What I got to do tomorrow? Just like Pastor always said, make that list early. <laughs> make the list. That way when you get up, you can look at the list. Notice what I said. When you wake up, then look at the list and start your day. But don't go to bed at night trying to start your day because you're not going to rest. When someone gets sick, it's not, it's not good to start assigning blame. Mm -hmm. 
But do we? At the same time, we can understand that the cause of a sickness be, in some case, a crucial step towards healing and recovery. And when I read this this morning, you know the first thing that popped in my mind? Remember when Jesus healed the one man and they asked who sinned, his mother or father or him? And Yeshua said, he was put like this for this very day that I might be glorified, but that my father might be glorified. Now see that, and I probably had to catch myself right there and there. It's God who healed. Jesus is the, the, the process to get there, but it's, father, it's God the Father is the healer through his son, Yeshua HaMashiach. Come on. So it caught my eye right there. Sometimes we're sick or something's going on in our life just that God might get the glory in the end through his son, Yeshua. So sometimes, like, because it goes back to like what we talked about before, about like Paul, when Paul was saying, you know, this is throwing in my flesh. So it's, sometimes the stuff ain't happening. Remember, the question was, how do we handle it when it seems that our prayers for healing ain't answered? Mm. Well, sometimes he's letting you know, see, you're trying to do so much stuff on your own, you better, you better not forget who I am. You need me. I don't need you. I got, I got some elders around my throne all day gonna say holy, holy, holy. Come on. Now, this is the part of the lesson. The root tree. And if you've really been paying attention a lot of times when I teach, because I use this a lot, I got this from Dr. Williams and Pastor Smith. If you listen to this, it's the same thing that we've been teaching. Pastor's taught on it. No, I'm taught on because we got this. We got this foundation. We already know. We get ready to get into the difference between root and simple. Mm. Right, somebody read it for me. Amen. The paralytic had been lowered into Jesus' presence, and all eyes were on Jesus. Would he choose to heal an obvious sinner? Would he speak a word to rebuke the illness? How did Jesus? go about healing the paralytic. What was the first thing Jesus did for him? All right. The, would he choose to heal an obvious son? Hmm. He would, but would we? That's the deal. I mean, so what happens if you had to heal somebody and did something on a family member? question you got to really, really ask yourself. Now, let's go ahead. Somebody read 5 through 12 for me, because we already read the first part. When Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. First thing he did. Verse 6. But there was certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. Why does this man speak thus blasphemy? Who can forgive sin but God only? And immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they were reasoning within themselves, he said unto them, Why reason ye these things in your heart? Whether it is easier to say to the sick of the palsy, Thy sins be forgiven, or to say, Arise and take up thy bed and walk. But 
that you may know that the Son of Man have power on earth to forgive sin. He said to the sickle of Paul, I say unto thee, Arise, take thy bed, and go thy way unto thy house. And immediately he rose, took up his bed, and went forth before them all, insomuch as that they were all amazed, and glorified God, saying, We ain't never seen nothing like this before. All right. How did he go about giving Terry Lee? When we talk about that, he, he told him that your sins are forgiven. That was the first thing that he did for him. Now notice what happened now. The pastors, the bishops, the elders, the teachers, the deacons, they are sitting around. Who gives him the authority to forgive sin? Because see, they ain't believed in him. Then he considered they were kept. In his spirit, he knew what they were thinking. And he asked him some questions. He said, why are you thinking these things? Mm. Teach a little law. Passing. Your sins are forgiven, which is easier to say to the paralytic. Your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and take your mat and walk. But that you may know. Now, he gave him the answer. He said, but that you may know that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sin. Well, who gave him that authority? God the Father. Because we gotta go back and think about when he uh when he got baptized and it said that there was a thunder that said, This is my son who I'm well pleased, and it was like a dove that came down and shone upon him. That's when he got he was given the authority on earth to forgive people of their sin. But see, since they didn't believe that he was the Messiah, because they're still waiting, see, once again, we're waiting for everything to be done on earth. And this ain't what this whole thing is about. It's not all about what's gonna be happening on earth. This is about, they don't they always talk about like when these wars are going on where it, in heavenly realms. What, what is it in it's Ephesians? When it gives the hug. You do not hug. You do not war against each other, but in, in uh Oh yeah, battles not against flesh and blood. But battles in high that's what this is all about. This is happening on earth, though. So he's trying to tell them, y'all keep looking for an earthly king to come save y'all once again and restore y'all how he was in the days of uh, King David and King Saul. But God came here that I might set the captives free. Well, who's the captives? All of us. Because ain't every day we captive or something? See, we always think captivity, you're in some, you're in some room. But man, we got so much stuff, yeah. The mind is a battlefield. Because what does it even say about sin? Where does sin, where does sin conceive? It's in your mind. It says first you think about it, you dwell on it, you think about it, you dwell on it, then finally it's gonna come and you keep thinking and dwelling on it, what you're gonna do, you're gonna act upon it. So now here he says, yeah. why, why are y'all not believing that I'm the, I'm the Messiah? And then he told the pair, please you get up and walk. And when he got up and walked, people were amazed. You know, it's the same thing. Uh, I kind of alluded to it in the prayer, I guess, as well. Even in the book of James, where he says, you who sick, call on the elders of the church to pray for you and to hear of, anoint you with oil in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, and he goes further to say, 
not only will you be healed, but your sins will be forgiven as well. So he, he, uh, the brother Jesus understood the same teaching. And what it points out is what the story is pointing out. Sometimes our sicknesses has to do with our sin. Not all the time, but sometimes. And that's why, see that's why we can never group everything. Everybody, when we do this, it has to be individual. We can't try to say, oh, because you, you got this, it's because of this. You can't do that. Because like the lesson pointed out at the beginning, some people are born with a deficiency, a defect. But now, also remember now, sometimes we want to forget this because this is Old Testament, that the sons and the fathers will come back to the third, fourth, general, fifth generation. There's some things that our ancestors did mm. that brought these curses into our lives. That's what we have to remember. Diseases, sicknesses, all these shortcomings, that's a curse. Because remember now, what did they say to Deuteronomy? If you do this, I'll bless you with this. But if you do this, you're going to be cursed with that. There's stuff in our life that some of we have control over, and there's some that we don't. But the stuff that we have over control right now is going to be passed down to those later generations. That's where this whole thing starts tying together. Why you can't throw this Old Testament out. All right, go ahead and uh, okay, so what challenges was Jesus giving to the scribes there? What issue was he really dealing with? What I saw was first unbelief, because that's when he challenged them, and then the forgiveness. So the two things there is unbelief and forgiveness. Well, if you don't believe, you ain't going to forgive. That's true forgiveness. You know, like we say, we can say anything out of our mouth. But if you don't believe in this, you saying you forgive somebody, King, this is something that was given, like, like Pastor said, that's why Jesus was put here to show that the power of forgiveness is in all of us. If we accept him. What issue was he really dealing with? That mostly was unbelief from the, when he got undescribed from the Pharisees, he, it was the unbelief that they had. Really, truly, it wasn't only they ain't believing in him. I think to a point, they wasn't even believing in God because they took the word that God gave them and was turning it and misusing it to make themselves feel better. So was they really having faith in God? Did they really have a belief in God? If you always want to throw people in hell all the time, I don't really think you, you that's not what God intends, because I think Pastor brought that out last week when we had to put the, the difference between, almost like, for lack of a better term, the cre created people and God's children. We shouldn't be wanting to put people in hell if we believe. We should be doing what we, we want all to be saved. All right, will you continue to talk generally? Mm -hmm. Talk. The last paragraph. Oh, yeah. On oh, Monday? Yeah, the last paragraph. Skip the old section. I thought we were going to become the often unaware. Yeah, will you, will we you are, stop that? Yeah, we're on uh, right under the question. Because we are often unaware of a oh. disease until we notice the symptoms. That's your best point you read, though. We think that getting rid of the symptoms means a healing. 
Jesus approaches disease differently. He knows the root of all suffering and disease and wants to treat this first. In the case of the paralytic, instead of immediately treating the obvious effect of his disease, Jesus went straight to the root of what was bothering the man the most. The paralytic felt the weight of his guilt and separation from God more severely than he felt his disease. A person resting in God is able to endure whatever physical suffering may befall him in this sinful world. And so, Jesus goes straight to the root and offers forgiveness first. The religious leaders were shocked when they heard Jesus pronounce forgiveness. In answer to their unspoken accusation, Jesus posed the question. Let's look at Mark 2, 8 and 9. What question was Jesus giving to the scribes there? What issue was he really dealing with? All right, let's go back up to the front. Because that is something that Pastor said. That is what I've been taught. You know, you have to know the difference between the root cause of something and just what is a symptom. We always, the simplest one we use, when you catch a cold, you have a cough. You have a runny nose. That's a symptom of what's going on inside your body. What's going on inside your body is you have a virus. So all that's coming outward, that's the outward appearance of the virus. You taking cough syrup does not cure the virus. Only antibiotics can, can cure the virus that's in you. But we take cough syrup, we take stuff to, for the fever. Those are all symptoms of what you really truly going on. Now, that's what he was getting at here. Him being a paraplegic, that was the outward signs. That was the symptom of what he was going through. Now, what is sin? We know that it's missing the mark, but once you sin, you separate yourself from the love of God because God cannot have anything to do with you because of the sin. All he sees is the sin in your life. Until you ask for forgiveness and then the blood of Yeshua comes in and blots you out and makes you white and then snow. That's the process a lot of times of us getting healed. There's too many of us that are running around here sick, hurting, and y'all know my testimony. When I was free, I was free. Man, that forgiveness is real. And too many people are doing lip service instead of really and truly going to the root cause, ripping this thing up. And some of this stuff, you're still blaming yourself, though. Not only to forgive, there's other things that we've done. We might 
truly forgive myself that you continue to go back and do the same thing? Also, pertaining to all of this, you need to bring out the other side because sometimes it's us that's the problem. Because no, none of the people that got healed healed themselves. The man of God, at that time, the man of God, and we know it to be sisters too as well, they have to go by. You pointed it out yourself. Yeshua said he was, this, this kid was made like this, so on this day I might come back. Well, Jesus ain't going to get off the throne right now and come down. So he's waiting for us. Healing ministry. 
It's not just the pastor's job to go visit people. It's not just the pastor's job to be calling people on the phone. That's not just my job. Everybody in this ministry that's ordained and got a title, everybody needs to be making sure that we are in communication with each other. Now, God has given us a simple way with uh, the text line. And I'm going to talk about something in the sermon. And, and I'm going to touch on it real quick right now. Actually, I'm going to use another example. The Bible says early that morning, it was the women that went to the tomb to view the body of Jesus, to uh, anoint him with the spice. That says a lot. And what I'm going to touch on later on in this sermon, it really has great implication. Sometimes we read in scripture, we look into these big miracle stories and all of this. But every sentence, God, is, there's implication in every sentence that God has in there. And there's several times in scripture where he says it was the women. And when we look at our prayer line just here with Sabbath, why is it just the women that's responding and praying for people? And where, where the men at, especially those of us that's ordained? I don't care if you don't like the text. That's not the point. So, giving a class is good. But one thing I try my best not to do is give a class on something that I'm not going to live. I try not to do that. There's an H word that Christians use for that. So if you're going to teach it, live it. If we're going to be ordained, let's walk it out. And these are these are very simple things. These are very simple ways. I praise God for text. It means we don't have to get in the car and ride over. Because <laughs> people are okay with it. I found that out. People are okay with just sending them a nice little, a little it lets them, it, it makes people feel like you're concerned. We cannot show up here on Sabbath and then all of a sudden people think, oh, on Sabbath morning, they're really concerned about us. But then during the week, they don't hear from us. Hallelujah. Amen. It says, forgiveness cost the life of the Son of God on the cross. Everything else is secondary. Now to demonstrate the power and reality of forgiveness, he chose to heal the paradigm. But once again, he treated the root cause when he forgave him of his sin. Then, to prove to the other people that this happened, he healed. Which, now, like you said, though, he really was already healed, but so the people could see. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Well, that really truly healing is for those of the unbelief. Mm -hmm. I always say that they use the believer to show the unbeliever that you, this is real. You can be healed. See, the other thing is, too, when it says, Either way, our Savior wants to be able to rest in the assurance of his love and grace and forgiveness of sins, even now, amidst of our suffering. He says, we can find rest and peace even when our prayers for healing are not answered, at least for now. Now, there's another part, and I know this person. Okay. When I got healed of my arthritis, you don't think there were times when all of a sudden pain came back into my back? Because now I remember we have the adversary. Now what he's trying to get, what he was trying to get me to do, because see this is, once I gave my testimony about being healed, like I said earlier, 
The power of your tongue has life and death. Once you let something out of your mouth in, in the atmosphere, that's how the devil knows what's going on. So now he's saying some of his little imps. And my back started, my, my, my neck and stuff started hurting. Okay. If I start questioning God about my healing, am I really showing faith in God? Mm -hmm. When that stuff happens, I still claim my healing. I still got up. And I said, oh, no, no, no. I know God healed me. Mm -hmm. But see, how many of us do that, though? When, okay, I thought he healed me, but then when the little symptom comes back, now all of a sudden you start, now you start playing that little thing in your mind. Because there's another thing, too. There are some people out there who want the, I, want to, I don't want to feel the pain. And this is another key that I did. I went back to work. I got off, I was getting my social security. And Pastor Smith kind of, you know, he threw the little thing out there. And I'm like, you know what, I got to go back to work. Because how can I sit up here and call myself healed? I'm not feeling no pain in my ear. But now I don't want to go out there and work. Because doesn't say that a man should work. That's when all this stuff starts falling in. So this time, you're not doing what you're supposed to do when you get healed. Because remember now, the paraplegic couldn't lay there. He ain't hurting no more. And he could have had the people carrying him around all the time and knew he could walk. But he got up and he walked. Now the other thing we have to do is when these pains come, you can't play the little, we can make ourselves see. You, you, you can, there's a lot of people out there that have diseases, and they go and they say, well, we can't find no, we, we did the uh, blood work, we did the uh, MRI, we did the ultrasound, we ran all these tests, and we can't find, but you are physically sick, but there's nothing in your body that should be doing that. What is that? That's your mind. Your mind can make you sick. You, once again, the power of the tongue has life in them. See, we always thinking about this physical death. No, you putting a lot of this stuff, you, you putting the root in yourself. You know, back in the day, you know, you want to talk about, you know, you go to Louisiana and get a root and put it in somebody's life, but all that is putting it in your mind. Because there's nothing in your body saying that you should have this. You know, I always think my little baby ghetto boy song, your mind playing tricks on you. Your mind, your, your mind can make you sick. We're not saying that you're not sick, but there's no reason you should be. Me and my wife, uh, this has been some years ago too. We was watching like a Dateline 2020 type show. And it showed a woman, and she wanted to be pregnant so bad. She had her mind was convinced. That woman went to the doctor and her beta HCG, which is the test they give you to see if you're pregnant, it was positive. But she had that girl in her womb. That was amazing. Now, once again, it was a TV show. Wasn't a movie or nothing. It was one, you know, 2020 update line. And, but that goes to show the power of the mind, our brains, and you're exactly right. We can think ourselves. There, there's a saying, and I, I had to tell somebody that this week. A body at rest stays at rest, and a body at motion stays in motion. The more you rest, the more you're going to want to lay there. But if you get up and move around and exercise, that's the more you're going to want to get up and move around and exercise. So this, this lesson, 
has so many grand implications in it that I pray to God that we don't just treat it like a lesson. Anything that we teach, actually, anything that we teach in from Scripture, I pray we're not just taking it as, oh, I signed on today and listened to the class. I really, that's why I'm emphatic about people having paper and pen and taking notes. Because if we were to implement some of these things in our lives, we would be amazed at how our lives would change. We would be amazed. You're just looking at the woman, the woman's story that we gave, you know, about how he healed the paraplegia. Until that man believed in his mind that he was healed. Now, time and time again, we see it, though. We're causing a lot of stuff in our life just because of the words we said. We don't want to take, we, we just don't want to take that truth about the power of the tongue. It has life and death. We're pretty good with speaking the life stuff in, mm-hmm. but then here you're speaking some death stuff in, then you wonder why it's happening. Well, mm-hmm. God's word is not going to fail. Mm-hmm. Let's go to uh, the next one, running away. Wait. I'll read this one, give you a break. Oh, I'm good. Good and all right. Amen. Right away. Based on data from the World Health Organization, the most common illness worldwide affecting more than 300 million people each year does not always have obvious visible symptoms. Well, depression is the leading cause of disability worldwide and is a major contributor to the global burden of disease. Unfortunately, often depression is not spoken about in Christianity because it can be seen as a sign of lack of faith. After all, aren't Christians always supposed to be filled with joy and happiness in the life? So, is a depression a sign that something is wrong with our relationship with God? Most people know that this isn't true, even Christians. Faithful Christians can at times struggle with depression especially after a traumatic event. And it is not a sign of lack of faith or trust in God. Again, one can read the psalm and see the pain, suffering, and anguish that God's faithful people suffer. Sometimes a depression slowly and quickly takes hold of us and we recognize it only when it tightens its grip. Sometimes it strikes quickly after a particularly draining emotional or physical event. For example, God's faithful prophet Elijah was completely drained emotionally and physically after Mount Carmel. Uh, hold on right there. It says now that this is based on information from the World Health Organization. Mm-hmm. Why a lot of times when you're trying to get some research and do some research, make sure you get the information from credible sites. Everything that pops up on your news feed, you know, depression. The thing that it says, unfortunately, often depression is not spoken about in the Christian in, in Christianity because it's seen as a lack of a, a sign of a lack of faith. Well, like we always want to say, sometimes that's one of them lies from the pit of hell. That's not that you have a lack of faith. There's something going on in your life. There's many times, don't you question God with that first little question, why? Well, if we're going to take that as a lack of faith, then I think we've all. Because we're going to ask that question sometime. Now, 
how rooted are you in what you believe? Can you put yourself, because I always think back about what Pastor Arvin said when we read some of these stories, you got to put yourself in that, in that character's, is that you? I always think about Pastor Arvin says he sees himself as Joseph. Well, Darwin, when you look at what Joseph went through, he could have very well been in prayer, because he stayed in a whole bunch of pits in, 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 in jails. Every time he turned around, he had to get out of one, then he, but then he went out to another one. So sometimes when things are going on in our life, you know, just realize we, the, the biggest target is baby Christians because I think the church does do a bad job overall. But like, once you accept, you know, try to get people to join, to, oh yeah, everything's gonna be better, you're gonna be a child of God and you're gonna get this place, you're gonna get a big house, you're gonna get a big car, you're gonna get a better job, better, 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 better. And then all of a sudden something happens to them. Well, where's this guy y'all been telling me about? Mm. But if, like we do here, if we, look, once you accept him as your savior, and you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, don't think things are gonna get easy. It's just now how you look at it goes back to what we, right here once again, the battle is in your mind. So, I would say about two years ago, I actually taught that there's no way that a Christian with the Holy Spirit can be depressed. I actually taught that. But now, uh, after being around people that, that's obviously Christians, but obviously depressed too, you know, you have to uh, back up off of that teaching. It sounds good. You know the Holy Ghost and you never, but Corona going through this pandemic, it should have taught, it definitely taught me a lot of things. It should have taught all of us a lot of things, but it definitely taught me a lot of things. Because even being the pastor, and even being as, 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 as faithful and diligent and fired up as I try to be, right now, especially with being unvaccinated, Right now, not going nowhere and making sure I stay away from people. There's a lot of lonely days. And last, what, was that what, last Sunday? I almost didn't go to the radio station. I'm telling you, I had my hand on the top. And God spoke to me just as loud as I'm speaking right now. Because it was for whatever reason, I was going through this evaluation thing about the ministry and blah, 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 blah. God spoke to me just as loud and said, boy, you don't have no a maintenance ministry. You got an end time ministry. You better get up. And right, just, just that voice. I laughed. I, he spoke to me out loud and I laughed out loud. And I got up and got dressed and went to the radio station. Because each of us, if we be honest, there's those times where this little, I can't explain the feeling, but it's on the inside. But it's kind of like somebody just pulled water on your parade. You know, I'm glad I didn't stay in it long. You know, I listened to that voice when it came to me and encouraged me. But if it can happen to the pastor, it can sure happen to the member, to the elder, to the deacon. You know, in other words, nobody's a member. So the, what it's going to talk about with Elijah is a prime example. Because that later on in the lesson said most most people know that this isn't true. 
even Christian, faithful Christians, can at times struggle. See, now notice the word he used here, struggle with depression. Especially after a traumatic event. I mean, I think back, you know what y'all went through, your family went through with the Jack and Tarnation. Come on, now let's just be real. It's a quest. Elvis talked about it before he had in his life. Yeah, you question God. Okay, but now the thing is, because you have the Holy Spirit in you, you shouldn't stay there. It's not because you said we might struggle with it. Because remember now, we teach here with three part B. Okay, we know the spirit, that's perfect. That comes from God, that's going back to God when we die. But now our soul and our flesh, your flesh is talking to your soul when you're going through that traumatic event. They're at war with each other. The flesh wants to be depressed. It wants you to stay down here. Because sometimes being depressed, I mean, it's easy. You ain't got to do nothing. <laughs> don't go to work, don't go outside, don't do this, don't do that. You just lay around in, in depression all day. But your soul, there's still something in your soul that says that part that's missing that we always talk about that only God can fit. You're so longing for that missing part. Now, what, what advice do you get when you're in these struggles? That's what's going to determine if you come out of that depression or not. Because like, you, you go listen to worldly people and do worldly things, you're going to get a worldly outcome. But if you get with people. Yeah, we are supposed to encourage one another. We always give a little disclaimer though sometimes. Hey, look, this ain't gonna be easy. Never said it was gonna be easy. Mm. But you can overcome just like we're gonna see in the store. Yeah. You ain't know. Like, like any other thing, you know, I know uh, you know, we were talking about the paralytic guy earlier, you know, sometimes people just want to hear that I'm forgiven or they just want to hear a word of encouragement. Uh, like you say, words have power. Uh, and even with depression, you know, words have power, you know what I'm saying, when uh, that person is going through something. Uh, a lot of people with depression, sometimes they don't feel worthy and they want, they need that encouragement. They need to hear that, uh, that something encouraging, uh, you know, and it's kind of touching on what Pastor was saying, you know, you know, even with this with this whole pandemic thing, you know, you know, you got to connect the dots, because in the beginning, it, said it ain't good for man to be alone, you know, what I'm saying so. This, you know, we got to be careful going through this pandemic, you know, se the separation, because it ain't good for man to be alone, uh, and, and it can have your mind uh, doing stuff to you, because you know, we we used to uh, being around people. You know, especially, you know, we've been around people all our lives. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? All of a sudden, now we got to distance ourselves and uh, isolate ourselves from one another. And that's, that's not a, it's not really a good thing to do. You know, we got to be careful with that. And again, with, like I said, with our words, it made me think about uh, something you said earlier about uh, speaking negative. I could, I could remember uh, Lister, and matter of fact, I heard it about a, about a week ago. The same sermon with uh, with um, Joe Joe Olson gave about his mother, what a testimony he gave about his mother. Uh, the doctors had pretty much given up on her, and you know they gave her they gave her weeks to live. And what his mom ended up doing was not leave her and, and claim a death. 
she got up and walked around every day and began to quote scripture, find every scripture in the Bible about healing, and she said those scriptures every day, spoken into her life every day, and his mind was still around. You know what I'm saying? When the doctors gave her weeks, years ago. You know, so, you know, our words do have a whole lot of power. We just got to, you know, same thing like with you. You know what I'm saying? When, you, when I'm going through something, uh, you know, like I always said, an issue with my foot. I'm, you know, I'm not going to claim something. You know what I'm saying? Then walk around and say God is going to do this and God can do that. And then uh, walk around here limping, talking about, well, uh, man, this old foot of mine or this and that or whatever. No, no, I'm, 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 no, I'm, you know, I'm here. And, and, you know, and I, I, you know, I, I, you know, of course, I speak it out. You know, God, you know, you, the devil is a liar. You know what I'm saying? God delivered me from such and such or whatever. You know, we we just gotta, we gotta begin to speak things because, like again, this pandemic. You know what I'm saying? Because a lot of people sitting up here claiming this stuff and thinking the worst case scenario, uh, uh, uh if they do test positive, uh, you know, I didn't, you know, and. and you know, I ain't trying to put my wife on black, but I had to put my, you know, I had to encourage my wife, and you know, I, I had to text her, you know, you know what the the the, uh, the uh, recovery rate is? You know, we always hear about death. Everybody, you know, people sick, the hospitals are full. When the last time you seen a report of how many people that that recovered from? Never. I had to read the other day that 90, it's 98.2% of people recover from coronavirus. That's a high percentage, very high percentage. You know what I'm saying? But people need to hit it. You know what I'm saying? If they're going to get through this, instead of hearing all the negative, you know, because you're going to begin to doubt. And that's what bring, doubt brings on depression sometimes. And that's why, like I said, Channel 6 does a good job because they give you the whole picture. They say how many people that, that day contracted, how many people were in the hospital. How many people overall, and then the bottom line is how many people because they, they kind of do the little sandwich on it. You know, they put that part about because, like you said, you have to hear stuff like that. Because really, too, like Pastor and I was talking earlier, like about social media and stuff. Man, those people wanted to do all that. They just want to report the negativity. That's all they report. That's all they want to report. And I was thinking about something that you said. There was a report I seen the other day. I was listening to some medical doctor, and I started, it was a couple of weeks ago, I started doing it. They talked about, like, spending millions walking around with a wallet in our back pocket. Most men put their pocket, their, their wallet on the right hand side, and that's where your serratic nerve runs. It said, take the thing out and put it in your front. I started doing that because my, my hip started hurting me on my right side. So I took my wallet out of my pocket. Something simple, see? Because what it started doing, oh, yeah, you, you, you had that surgery on that left hip, you get ready to get some surgery on your right hip. Now I ain't getting no more surgery. I took my wallet out, and that little pain went away on, on my right hip. So that's just seeing simple stuff that we causing some stuff in our life by stuff that we do. I also took my phone out my left side and put it in my pocket, too. All right, real quick, just to get well, back. Real, real quick, too, before you move on, you gave good information. Let, 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 let's expound on it a little bit. Because uh, when I worked for a chiropractor, she then taught me that about men with back pain, that while they keep your hip like this when you're sitting down. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, but women with them purses, them heavy purses, and, and, and you got that neck and that shoulder pain, quit carrying that purse on your shoulder. Carry it in your hand if you got to carry it. Honestly, she say just carry a little pouch with what you need in it. And keep your phone off your body, period. Put your phone down somewhere else. I don't have my phone in no pocket right now. 